0: Um, It was a couple years ago now, and Olivia was like, "Uh, what is is that? I said, baby, that's Huey Lewis in the news, and uh, that's from Back to the Future, and she goes, I got nothing. She had nothing. She'd never seen it. So we started a two-year campaign to see movies that Olivia should see before you go to college, and Back to the Future is on our list. We'll talk about uh, a couple of things about it. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a series on, some of, you, some of you still have never seen Back to the Future, have you? Anyway, we're doing a series called Big Little Letters, where we're looking at some of the letters of the, the, the New Testament, uh, and they're small, but they're powerful. And we're approaching the end of our, our series. We've got just a couple more to look at as the summer is going on. And so today we're going to look at the book of Second John. Second John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, I didn't really give you much background that last week. And I'm not going to give you much this week because there's little known, really, about the occasion, who it's written to. Uh, some people even debate whether John the Apostle actually wrote it or if it was John the Elder because he calls himself in this an elder or to which church most people assume it was to the church in Ephesus and there's always discussion but nonetheless these letters go together and 1 John which we looked at last week gives gives kind of a theological premise of what's taking place it it gives the background so to speak it's a powerful book 1 John and then, 2 John is, is a playing out of what he talks about in 1 John. So he talks about love in 1 John. And in 2 John, he talks about walking in love. Then 3 John, which we're going to look at next week, talks about walking in truth. Love and truth. Spirit and truth. God's guidance in our, our lives. A couple of years ago, Tom Rainer, who, um who is a church growth expert he put out an article and he talked about 25 silly things church members fight over 25 silly things church members fight over and these are some of my favorites these were actual church fights an argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard a fight over whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. Now, let me just back up on this second one. If you're fighting over a playground or a cemetery, your future is pretty well assured. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you can't get which way your church should, your church should be headed, uh, a church dispute or whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. I, I, you know, I'm not really sure how, ladies, but I would think that was a given. Um, hopefully, you all have some in there. Um, <laughs> a 45-minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet to purchase, black or brown, two, three, or four drawers, A uh, fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. Because we know there's only one real picture of Jesus uh, going on. A dispute... In the church because the Lord's Supper had cran grape juice instead of grape juice. This is obviously a Baptist church because the whole discussion of wine never even came up. <laughs> yeah. An argument over whether to have gluten-free communion bread or not. It, it, is ours? Gluten-free? I have no idea. Hopefully it won't hurt you too bad when you... Uh, A business meeting. Uh, Business meeting arguments about whether the church should purchase a weed eater or not. Uh, My understanding is it took at least two business meetings to resolve whether they should buy a weed eater or not. Arguments over what type of green beans the church should serve. An argument. I love this one. An argument over whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church at the church meal. Let me just say, by the way, uh, we have deviled eggs, and we love deviled eggs, so <laughs> call them whatever you want. A disagreement over using the term pot luck instead of pot blessing, because we don't believe in luck. Everything's, you know, the sovereignty of God. An argument over whether the fake dusty plants should be removed from the From the podium, just spritz them. I don't know what do you. As you notice, we've gotten rid of most of ours, and the others we put far enough away you can barely barely see. Do you know there are times in life where um, I I, I just I want to speak on the behalf of the church to say we're better than this. We are so much better than this. And other times where I just don't want to tell anybody I'm a part of a church at all. I mean, really, because we, we do some of the stupidest things. You know, I, 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 it's like reclaiming masculinity. We're reclaiming malehood. I mean, we're in our society where I'm almost a sh- It's hard to defend my fellow men because of our incredibly bad behavior. And at times, it's incredibly hard to defend what it is the church is supposed to be and do. And I can tell you, this is not, this is not it. This is not who we are. This is not what we're to look like. Last week, when we looked at 1 John, what I hoped we would see is that the message of 1 John has the potential to change your life. Many people go at First John and come out feeling condemned because they read the passages that sound like hey if you if you say you love God and don't love your brother you're the uh, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. It's kind of like oh my gosh I don't love I'm not loving people like I should therefore I must not love God so I'm a liar and so you come out condemned. And the opposite is true with what John is actually trying to say. He's trying to say this. Look who you are is you're a child of God. As a result, you love God, love people. That's just going to happen. It's the, the fruit. He, he's coming he's out coming at, at an angle from saying, I want to assure you, you are a child of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're loving people because this is who, how God has, has made you. Today, I want to look at Second John, and talk specifically about this whole truth about love, about love. Now, I don't get the opportunity very often to read an entire book of the Bible. So I'm going to take the opportunity today to read the entire book of Second John, all 13 verses. So uh, just follow along either on the screen or in your Bible, and I'm going to comment about a couple of places, theologically or idea-wise just so you can kind of keep going, and then I'm going to come back and look specifically about his discussion on love. So here we go. Here's the whole book of 2 John. You don't even get a chapter. You just get 2 John 1 through 13. The elder. To the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Look up here for a second. Uh, You might be saying, who's the lady? Who's the lady he's talking to? Let me tell you, there's a lot of debate. On is this a real lady with real children or is the lady the church? Is he referring to the bride of Christ? Truthfully, we really don't know. Most biblical scholars believe that he's using it as a euphemism, a a symbol, a metaphor, whatever um, the right word is, that he's talking to a church, to the lady, this church, the bride of Christ, and to the children, the members. Those who've become a part of the church, though we really don't, we don't know, know for sure. And the discussion of the elder, is this John the Apostle, or is this John who is known as the elder? Most people still believe it's John the Apostle. He's just referring to himself as an elder. Here's how I usually take it. I, I believe that this was written specifically to the church in Ephesus, though we don't know for sure. John was an elder and oversaw the church at Ephesus. It's his relationship. With that church, and he's speaking to he's speaking to that body. But it's not going to change the way you read the letter, uh, how the discussion goes. I won't comment like that on every phrase. I just want it's kind of important to not to, to know that. He goes, and not only I, but also but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am writing you a new command, excuse me, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Look up here one other second, because I'm not preaching on this idea, but John in Second John and Third John is fighting a specific, um, this is the, let you think I'm smart, um, uh, form of Gnosticism, which is called Doceticism. And Doceticism, it, it was the idea that Jesus was not fully human. They received the truth that Jesus was the son of God or a son of God, but not in the flesh. He was more a, a, a mirage or a, a hallucination or a Uh, An angelic spirit. It was spirit, but not flesh. Do you understand? So when he says, someone comes to you and says, Jesus was not God in the flesh, he's got the spirit of the Antichrist on him, which is a spirit throughout the New Testament, resulting in the book of Revelation, the fulfillment of the Antichrist, who will come and claim that Jesus is not God and put himself in in that position, So he's not just kind of saying, hey, there are people who don't believe in Jesus. No, there are people who are coming and saying, Jesus was not God in the flesh. And to John, this is worse than denying that Jesus ever existed in the first place. This idea that you would not believe. Because look what he says. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. He's basically saying he is the devil or of the devil. And he says, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. He's warning against the spirits that come and try and teach another Jesus. Again, I I, I don't want to get too far afield, but if the devil can't get people to deny that Jesus ever existed, he will his his deception is that let's teach another Jesus and not everybody who uses the name Jesus believes in Jesus so again I'm going to comment real quick and then I'm going to move on the next time a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and knocks on your door start talking to him about and they start saying to you yeah I believe in Jesus Start talking to them about what Jesus they believe. Ask them if Jesus was fully God and fully man. You're going to get a, well, no, because not everybody who claims Jesus believes in Jesus. There is a difference, and John is saying, do not, do not get trapped in this. It goes on and says, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. So far, it's not sounding very loving, is it? You know, he's, he's wanting to distinguish between, hey, loving and deception, walking in love and walking in truth. Don't get caught up in believing. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to this in just a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. Again, I believe John's referencing another church that he's a, that he's a part of. Okay, let's talk about walking in love. I've kind of give you an overview, and there's some things I'm not going to be able to cover, but I'm trying to give you the theme of the book, and, and it's this. How do we walk in love? First, John sets the premise, walk in love. How do we walk in love? I think between the two books, he gives us some ideas. So the first point is this, the power of love. The power of love. In verse 5, he says, And now, dear lady, I'm writing you a new... I keep forgetting the not. I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. Back to the movie, uh, Back to the Future, remember uh, it was a couple of years ago so you remember the premise of back to the future he goes back in time and he's got to get back to his present time which is back to the future it's kind of a clever little title and then at some point he gets there and now he goes to the future and the movie was set in the 80s and a couple of years ago it came to the date where marty mcfly love that name Marty McFly, the movie had projected he was going to be around in October of 2015 or 16. I can't remember the exact date. So on that date, though, they compared what they projected from the 80s to what they, we actually had accomplished. Some things were more advanced. They didn't predict. Some things, like real hoverboards, remember, that's kind of the, they had those uh, skateboards that hovered, uh, we're, we're getting there, but... You know, now they just blow up and hurt people. Um, Anyway, Huey Lewis in the news put out that song that you heard earlier, you don't need money, don't take fame, don't need no credit card to ride this train. Strong and it's sudden, it's cruel sometimes, but it might just save your life. That's the power of love. And I know it's referring to a love between a man and a woman, but there is power I mean, unbelievable power in the gospel love that Jesus Christ gives us. It is the power of life and death. It will save your life. In 1 John, looking back at a couple of passages in the book we looked at last week, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes where? From whom, I guess? From God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This first answers the question where do I find love? And John, he begins his his look at love by looking at the nature of God. He says, We we, we get to love because God is love. It's, It's not like God loves. And that ends it. He says God can't help but love because that's who he is. It is in his nature. Love comes from God and God is love. And as a result, we who come into this faith, we are now born of God and we know God. So here's the idea. He's saying the power of love is this. The power of love is that God allows us to be reborn, to be transformed, because he he is love. We'll look at how that impacts us in just a moment, but he wants to make it clear that the power of love is the transforming power of God at work in this world. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. Why? Why? so that we could believe, so that we could be transformed. See, love is not this just ethereal, undescribable, non-concrete thing that floats around the world and we hope that people catch it. Love, there's a reality of love and it's based in the reality of God. Because God is, and God is love, then there's power in this transforming love look at what jesus i I could go back and preach really the whole new testament but look at part of what jesus says in the sermon on the mount in matthew 5 you've heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Not even the tax collectors are doing that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying, listen, you you can love. Because God allows you to love. It is the transforming power of God in our, your life that says, you know, some of you are probably sitting there today thinking, how in, how in the world does Amy go to Jordan and minister life and love there? Well, because that's what God would, God would do. How can you go into a workplace where your boss is such a jerk and love like Christ loves, how do you how do you how do you still speak life into situations where someone is just cursing you and trying to tear you down How, how does that work? You do it because the power of God's transforming love is at work within you and it's not again just some ideal it is the ability to the ability to love. I mean, this passage in Matthew, it's hard. Hey, you've heard, you've heard it said. Love your friends, hate your enemies. But I'm telling you, love everybody. Love even those who hate you. What, what does it prove if you just love those who love you? Everybody can do that. Instead, love, greet Any clothes that be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect? Oh, wow, we just ratcheted it up a lot, didn't we? I could buy into the love part. Why is that so profound? Because, really, love is the foundation of who God is, I believe. There's a love factor, a relationship factor. Here's the pattern of love. Back in 2 John, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. This argument seems to be a little circular to me. I don't know if you can see what I'm saying. He says, and this is love. Okay, what is love? Well, we walk in obedience to his commands. Okay, I'll do what he says. And what is his command? I walk in love. I'm back to love again. It just seems to keep coming back to this idea of love. You see, we believe that the commands of God are rooted in our obedience. Let me say that again. We believe that following the commands of God are rooted in our obedience. I think what John is saying is following his commands are not rooted in our obedience, but in his love. Do you understand the difference? In other words, I can't do what he's asking me to do. I just can't. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe we shouldn't. But let's be honest. In our flesh, no matter how hard we try, we can't love people very well. I mean, just behind the curtain, just a little bit for you, for me, I barely love the people in the flesh, if it were just up to me, there are times when it's hard to love the people that I live with. Much less the people out there. Why? Because they get on my nerves. Don't tell them I said there are none of them here today. So they're not going to listen to this sermon anyway, none of those people. And so, but the truth is this, I mean, I do love them, please. I'm being a little facetious, but you know how hard it is to love Well, and no matter how much you work up the I think I can, I think I can, that little engine that could mentality, you can't. And the next thing you're doing is you're putting on Facebook how you just don't like people. Come on now. Something jumps on you and suddenly before you know it, you've typed something you shouldn't. So here's the deal. Why is that true? Because we're all just weak, corrupt flesh but we're not. We are not because God is perfect love. God's love, we can stand in his love. My ability to love you is based on his love, not mine. It's like this never-ending reservoir of love that just, I'm a conduit. And if the junk will get out of me, then the the love of God will flow to those around. So, John is saying, look, you can't love because of you. You can love because of him. Now, his command is love. In other words, just let, when we come to Jesus Christ and he now rules our life and forgives our sins, we become a, an instrument in his hand to show love to the world around us. In 1 John 4, verses 9 through 11, going back to 1 John, he said, this is how God showed his love among us. Okay, He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So, just walking through this passage real quick. He says God demonstrated his love. He showed us his love. Love, love was manifest from God. In other words, God was not loving us in the abstract. Are you also with me? In other words, we, we could say God loves, but John is saying God loves you. Not in the abstract, but in the real. He, he loves you. How do you know? Because he manifested it. So love, there's an aspect here I'm, I hope you're buying into and you're catching, is that I can't, I, love is not just this feeling. Love is an act. There is an action that it's backed up with. It is manifested in us. He, he did it by sending his son. Love, always, real love, true love, uncorrupted love comes from God through his son, Jesus. It's a theological truth that I, even in my flesh when I try to love you, there's going to be something messed up about it if it's not in Christ. I mean, we can go down this road, which is not very pretty, And I'm not talking about myself necessarily. I'm just talking about how does love in the church get so screwed up, so ugly, so fleshly? Well, because we think it's about us making ourselves follow the commands of God. But instead, it's about us through Jesus loving people well. And this is love. Not that he loved God, that we loved God, but that he loved us. Love is first. It can stand alone in the sense that God is the one who made it. And it's redemptive. There's a purpose behind it. So the pattern of this love is that it's manifest through Jesus, from God, for a redemptive purpose. I'm going to keep straying off track and we're going to be here all day if I'm not careful, but most of our love, let's just face it, it is a self-centered love. I mean, honestly, why why do I love certain people? Because those people love me. And I I get some feeling back from it. Or, I love people because they're going to give me something. They're going to meet some need, physical, emotional, spiritually, in my my life. God's pattern of love is this. Look, I'm just going to I am sending and going for the purpose of their redemption. The fact they can be made different and and whole. My dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love one another because of God's love for us. I don't know if I made that very clear, but do you see this pattern of love? This pattern is God sent his son to change us so that we can love. It's his pattern of love. And anything out of that order will be messed up. Messed up. It it, it will eventually be corrupted in in some way. And this love, it brings peace. There's a peace in this kind of love. Back in verses uh, 1 through 3, he says, To the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Do you remember where you were? Well, first of all, some of you weren't even born yet, but uh, do you remember where you were uh, September 2001, 9-11? For those of us who were conscious of a life at that point, some of you are too young to even realize, it is incredible how dramatically things changed like that. I was doing a men's Bible study down in the office. I can't even remember which book we were doing. Fun. We were having a good time. We were doing a book study. I can't remember who who of y'all were there. And then I was going from there to my first pastor's prayer time. The guys from Missouri and we meet now in Colorado, but back then the first one we were meeting up in I don't know somewhere in Gatlinburg. Just seemed convenient. So they were driving in. I was driving. So I went to the men's Bible study, the book study. Got in my car. <laughs> I was listening. Please don't judge me. I was listening to Rick and Bubba, and uh, I was driving to Atlanta <laughs> on, on the way because you know he, there's nothing like a Bible study and then Rick and Bubba. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I was listening to them just to you know kind of lighten the load a little bit. And they started talking about wow, there's a fire in a World Trade. You know, and it just escalated from there. Now the bad, the really bad thing was um, I was going to Atlanta to pick up my brother who was flying in from Miami. So he was in the air during the whole thing. But, you know, I don't know. We No one knows what's going on. I mean, I went from peace to fear and like, you know, it, it's incredible how it just jumps on you, right? Everything seemed to change. In that, My brother was fine, by the way. Everything was good. But you talk about freaky. He got off the plane in Atlanta. It was right when they were... Grounding all the flights. For those of you who don't remember, uh, they grounded all the flights right away because they didn't know which ones were being used as terrorist um, attacks and which weren't. He was like, wow, things are really weird around here. The airport was just going crazy. and you know, Then he's got like 10 phone calls between his wife and me uh, trying to reach him. Are you okay? How everything's going? And for a couple of days after, I say a couple of days, months maybe, Churches were full of people looking for peace because fear had gotten on them and they didn't know what to do and so they started going to church. But then over time, it just kind of fades away and we start living our, we start living our lives again. See, the whole idea of terrorism is to sow fear. To sow fear in the situation so that people change their lives and alter them and then when they get fearful, they don't act. They don't act the same. I mean, tons of things changed in our country as a result of spirit of fear and all that happened with 9-11. I remember before 9-11 when you could actually walk your friend to the gate at the airport. You know, you could actually, some of you don't even have any idea. What? No, you could just walk down there and stay there and watch the plane take off and wave goodbye and all of that. Everything changed as a result of fear. John is saying here, do you, do you have peace in your life? Do you have real peace in the way you respond? And he's basically saying this, peace is not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of love. Now, let me see if I, you, you should write this down. It's really good. And I didn't make it up. John did. Peace is not the absence of fear. Most of us, we want fear out of our lives. Thinking that if I can take fear out, then I can put, I won't be, I'll have peace. No, 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 you won't have peace. You need need to have the presence of love because it's the presence of love that drives out fear. Are you with me? I, I can't tell you how good this is. And you don't seem to be responding. Maybe I've been preaching too long already. But this is really good because some of you are spending your entire lives trying to get away from fear. And you won't. My my wife and I were talking the other day and she was talking about, and she would testify to this. I didn't ask her permission to share this, so don't tell her. I'm sorry. But she was talking about how She just is so busy. You know, she's busy doing this and busy doing that and busy doing that. And and I said something to the effect of, what would it take for you not to be busy? And we got into this discussion, and it was a healthy discussion. It was not a disagreement, but a healthy discussion. Where I eventually got to the point, I I said to Kathy, you know, if if you didn't have any children and you didn't have a job, and you weren't children's pastor at Fullness, and you didn't have this, and you didn't have this, I contend you would still find a way to be unbelievably busy. Because it's her nature to be busy. So she's trying to change her nature. She's trying to to back it up a little bit. How do I not be busy? You don't be busy by trying not to be busy is what I'm saying. In other words, we started talking about, okay, let's institute a Sabbath. I think it'd be good for you to take a day off. Now, she makes fun of me because I love my day off. I like to read. I like to relax. I go out on the back deck. I read a book or two or three. Uh, I just go out on the back and read and just relax. And she comes out at me. and She goes, how can you just sit there and do Nothing. So I've said to her, you need to join me in the doing of nothing. <laughs> it, it, Sabbath means rest and rejuvenation. and It's the same thing with fear and peace. You don't get peace by trying to drive out fear. You get peace by God's love filling your heart and in your life. So we're going to just delete that whole last section from the live stream and you know, I know some of you, you will run downstairs and tell my wife everything I've said. I know you, and I'm rebuking you right now. <laughs> First John 4 says this, God is love. It's not that I'm afraid of my wife, I want to make that clear. But have you met her? So God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Underline that. Because some of us don't believe that we can be like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Just reiterating but I believe that John is trying to tell us that love drives out fear. Love drives out fear. Want peace in your life? The peace peace of God is present because of the love of God. Final point is this, and I won't dwell on this, the proof of love. How do I know? How do I know? Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in this teaching has both the Father and the Son. How do we know that we're following the teaching of God? Please don't get the cart before the horse. Don't believe that, okay, I got to love everybody in order to get God to love me. Instead, he's saying, if you want to know if God is at work within you, the love of God, how is your love life with people? Do you see the condemning nature that people sometimes get caught in First and Second John? They start thinking, oh, he's saying, if I'm not following the commands, I'm not in God, so i got to follow the commands so that I can be in God. Instead, he's saying, listen, relax a little bit and enjoy the love of God because the natural reaction will be that you're going to love people. The fruit of the love of God is loving others. But he is, at the same time, saying, hey, if you don't love God, there's something, there's something whacked out here. There's something not quite in joint. But you don't get to love people by making yourself love them more. You get it by saying, okay, I want to I lean more into the good news of Jesus Christ. More into the love of God. Here's my prayer for us this morning. My prayer for us this morning, I, I so desire... And I believe fullness is this kind of church that just loves people, that loves people. But I want us to love better. But we're not going to love better by me telling you love better. You you understand? It's kind of a trick. It's it's the difference between the gospel and legalism. And I believe the difference is the difference between life and death. And so what I'm saying is, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to love better when we just let God's love pour into our hearts by the, the gospel, receiving Jesus, and the person of the Holy Spirit filling us up to overflowing. In that, we're going, to, we're going to love better. And we're going to love better because God's love, peace will fill us. How many stupid things do you do because of fear? It's rhetorical, but I could have a line of testimonies here of the dumb things we do because we get afraid. Instead, receive the love of God. Perfect love casts out fear. And he's talking about fear of punishment on judgment. I understand that, but I still think it carries through to the various elements of our life. And it it changes the way we live, who we are. You know, I, I have yet to go to a conference anywhere in the world that talks about um, how, do I, how do I walk in the holiness of God and the love of God at the same time I mean really I, I don't think I've ever even heard of a conference like this how do I balance the holiness that God tells me to be perfect with the love of God love people it seems like churches go one direction or the other right they either hold up holiness oh you gotta live right do this do that or they hold up the love of God and they say, It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter. It's all about love. Love wins, kind of mentality. You know, love wins when we are filled with His love and then act like God told us to act, to be who He said. By the way, if you think this can't be done perfect love, perfect holiness then you don't know my Jesus. He was was perfect in love. And he was perfect in perfect. I mean, he was totally holy and totally loving at the same time. The two can come together. And I believe John is trying to say to us, love. Be filled with his love. You'll follow the commands of God. People will be changed. I pray that this this is us. And... In closing, let me just say, ask you this. How, how is your love life? How is your love life with the people around you? Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us to see all the aspects of the love of God at work in our lives. Lord, I, we are so imperfect. We are so... Even when we try to do right, we mess it up. Lord, it's hard to love well. We understand because we are flawed. But God, you are perfect in love. And I pray that, God, we will be a people who love. And as a result, we'll demonstrate to the world that there is a God and that we are your disciples. We're your followers. Because of the love we have for one another, which goes beyond understanding. And that we love those in the world as well. Not judging, but loving. But at the same time, holding up the standard of God's love. Lord, I I thank you for your love in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love me so much you came to this world. Thank you, Father God, that you sent Jesus... Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work in my heart and my life today, filling me up to overflowing with the love of God. Lord, we thank you. May we go from this place, filling the world with the love of God. And Holy Spirit, would you show us how that's done? Would you empower us to do it? we asked this morning? Would you help us to even understand this message, which kind of at times blows a circuit in my head? to realize how we do that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now as we come to a time where we get to give back to you, out of worship and especially love, what you've given us. Lord, we we thank you. May this be an act of worship, an act of thanksgiving, not of duty or obligation or, or trying to manipulate you into doing something better for us, but it may just be out of unhindered love for you.